You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 132 of That One Time on Tour is brought to you by the band Dia de Muertos. Dia de Muertos, Spanish for Day of the Dead, is a Mexican alternative rock band with roots in punk rock. The majority of their music is in Spanish, but on their latest record, Sabra Mi Cadaver, Spanish for Over My Dead Body, they did their first song in English. Dia de Muertos are set to record their next EP in 2021 and cannot wait to begin playing live shows again as soon as the pandemic allows. For more information on Dia de Muertos, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms as well as diademuertos.com.mx. Now here it is, their new single, No Te La Voy A Neguer, in English, I Can't Deny It.
Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. Hey, this is John Nix from Turnstile Films, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, and I am your host for that one time on tour. If this is your first time joining me, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation. It is Thanksgiving time. Do any of you guys remember that skit from Saturday that sketch from Saturday Night Live? Tim Meadows, uh, they Phil Hartman was on there. They were looking for people to write Thanksgiving songs, and uh, they were giving away like a ten thousand dollar thing. It was this this really cool thing? They were like, "There's so many Christmas songs. There's no Thanksgiving songs." That was always a really favorite sketch of mine, and uh, I love the old school SNL. I still watch SNL. I'm not super stoked on it like I used to be, but uh, Kyle Mooney is hilarious. There's some, there's some really funny people on there. But yeah, the old school when I was young, like in high school, uh, Tim Meadows and and Will Ferrell and uh, just so many so many good people. And yes, that Thanksgiving time song is stuck with me. I remember that. I was getting ready to do this. I'm like, it's Thanksgiving time. I'm going to do something different. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And if you don't know what it is, go on YouTube and put in SNL, Tim Meadows, Thanksgiving, and it's it's hilarious. I think you'll really enjoy it. So yeah, it's Thanksgiving time. Normally, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, but this year, it's a little bit different. We usually go to my Aunt Debbie's, and there's like 100 people there from my big extended Irish Catholic family. 
this year, that seems kind of risky with the pandemic going on. So uh, we're having a little more intimate, small gathering at my house. I've never hosted a holiday before. I'm a little bit scared. Uh, my wife has it under control, but I'm, I'm a little bit scared. It's just going to be my parents and uh, my mother-in-law. And it's crazy. I was watching TV. I was watching the news before I came in here to do this intro. And uh, the CDC has urged people not to travel for the holiday. Yet the airlines are claiming that they're breaking records for travel this week. And I just think that's that's insane. I'm, I'm hoping that these vaccines kind of are the answer. I don't know if they are or not, but it it doesn't seem like Americans can follow simple rules. So, uh, but, but I digress. <laughs> Let's talk about the show today. I always start off with, you know, what's in the news or whatever. But uh, I want to talk about the show. Uh, Trevor from Face to Face was supposed to be on the show this week, but uh, he did a couple other podcasts and it's hard sometimes when, when somebody does some press for something they have coming out, he has an awesome lyric book. They just came out and uh face to face is working on a new record, but he was on Toby Morse from H2O on the one life, one chance podcast. And I didn't want to compete with Toby. Uh, Toby's show is really good. If you haven't checked it out, go check out Toby's show uh, on, on Apple music. You could just go down to the, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you can go down to the the other shows you might like, and he's right down there, and then I'm right down there on his as well, because we have some of the same guests, some of the same topics. So go check out Toby's podcast if you want to get your Trevor from Face to Face fix this week. He's also going to be on there next week, I think, too, for a part two. So I'm going to hold Trevor's episode for a couple weeks, just so I don't compete with Toby. Toby's an awesome dude, and his, his podcast is wonderful, so go check that out. But yes, Trevor will be on in a couple weeks, so you know if you were coming for that, please come back for that. But today on the program, I have another awesome episode. I got to chat with the co-founder of Turnstile Films and the director of the new anti-flag documentary, Beyond Barricades. I get to have a chat with Mr. John Nix. I had a blast speaking with John. His new documentary on Anti-Flag is so good. I urge everyone out there to check it out. You can find it on Amazon Prime Video as well as Vimeo On Demand. Just search for Beyond Barricades. We talk about, you know, the movies that we have in common that we like, like the kind of indie flicks like Gummo and Kids. And of course, I, I snuck in some Metallica talk. We talked about the documentary, Some Kind of Monster. And you guys know how much I love Metallica, but it's a great chat. It was really cool to get some like behind the scenes knowledge about filmmaking. You know, in, in my past, I've done some comedy troupe stuff and I've, I've made some like kind of indie flicks or whatever, but it was really cool to kind of hear from a professional how that stuff goes down. We always did it very punk rock style, which he, you know, he does his stuff pretty punk rock DIY as well, but uh, it was just really cool to kind of get a different, a different way of doing things. Talking to a filmmaker is a lot different than talking to a musician. And I, I really enjoyed this episode. John was a very gracious, nice guy. We had to reschedule it, I think once or twice as well. So uh, before I get to my conversation with John, as always, I'm going to pay some bills. We had an amazing band sponsor today, Dia de, Dia de Muertos uh, from Mexico. You can check them out at diademuertos.com.mx. That is D-I-A-D-E-M-U-E-R-T-O-S.com.mx, like Mexico. 
PartsCasterConcierge.com. My buddy Gary, he builds guitars. He built one for me. He needs to build one for you. Check him out. Going over to PartsCasterConcierge.com. S-B-A-M dot rocks. Spam, not spam, spam. He did the logo for the show. He did some other artwork that we're going to do some more t-shirts with. He's awesome. He has a record label. He has a festival. You got to check him out. Head on over to sbam.rocks. Last but not least, we have a new sponsor, betterhelp.com. BetterHelp is all about remote therapy and counseling. You know, with the pandemic, people need some some mental health clarity right now. They need some help. So go to betterhelp.com. It's cheaper than traditional counseling. They'll, they'll match you with somebody that is perfect for your needs. If you need to change that person, there's no hassle. It's totally easy. And right now, because you're listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T. That is betterhelp.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T. And I came up with a little tagline. I don't know if it's really their tagline, but I always, I, I like saying, oh, what did I say? Now I can't remember what it was, man. I, I should probably edit these, but I'm not going to. Oh, live a better life with better help. I think that's what I said on our, on my other read for it. But uh, yeah, check out betterhelp.com. Thank you so much for sponsoring the program. If you guys have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode or two, you can hit me up, tototpodcast at gmail.com, or you can send me a DM on any of the socials. It's at tototpodcast. Uh, check out our Patreon if you'd like to support the show. That is patreon.com forward slash tototpodcast. If you want to send a one-time donation, hit up my Venmo. That is at Christopher Swinney, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. It goes a long way to get us in front of some new people. And uh, I'd really appreciate it if you guys would do that. Five stars, preferably. Shout out to our art director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply. She's doing a killer job on all the artwork for the episodes. And we have some new things cooking over there. We also just launched a kids line of shirts called T-O-T-O-T Tots. See what we did there? You see the little the little pun, the joke there? So uh, if you want to hook your kid up with some cool Christmas clothes that have my big awesome logo on there, hit up T-O-T-O-T-Podcast.com. Shout out to Sarah. Thank you so much. Uh, if you're on Facebook, sign up for the T-O-T-O-T Community Facebook group and sign up for our mailing list. So uh, kind of a weird segment today. I know it's not quite the end of the year yet, but I have picked my top 10 records of 2020. And I, I, I checked, and I don't think anything I really like is going to be coming out in December. So I'm just going to go through this, uh, and I would like to hear your top 10 records of 2020. You can email me or DM me or whatever, and I will be reading some on the next uh, probably four or five episodes. I'll be going through and and reading your top 10 records of 2020, even top five, whatever you want. You don't have to send me 10. I did 10 and I'm going to say them in no particular order. I do this every year. This is my top 10 records of 2020. Uh, like I said, no, no particular order, random, random, random. So the first thing that I'm going to tell you guys about, I love it. Childish Gambino. He's one of my favorite rappers. I don't know if you guys are into hip hop or not. I am. 
And I love Childish Gambino. I've loved all of his records, but he had a new record come out called 31520. And it's awesome. There's just, I don't know, there's guys like Chance the Rapper and, you know, different guys that are doing things a little differently. They put a little more thought into what they're doing. And Childish Gambino is definitely one of those guys. And I got to I got to meet him and hang out with him at Hangout Fest down in Alabama when I was working for like the A&R team down there. And I could not have been a nicer guy. And I will always support him. And I love his music, as do millions of other people. He doesn't need my support. But check out Childish Gambino 31520. Also, Pears, their self-titled release, Pears, on Fat Records. I had Zach on the program a few months back. And man, it's just one of the best records I've listened to this entire year, which is why it's on this list, but it's so good. It's like kind of manic and just so many different styles and it's really, really good. If you haven't checked out pairs, give them a listen. Shout out to Zach. Thank you so much for being on the program earlier this year. Hopefully we can get you back in the future. Uh, Number three, but like I said, it's not really a number thing. It's all random. My buddy, Josh Mann from one of my favorite bands, paper arms out of Australia, He put out a solo EP called Everything I Love is Trying to Kill Me. It's a little more, I guess, country-esque, singer-songwriter, kind of indie, Americana, acoustic kind of stuff. But it's really, really good. If you like Paper Arms, you'll like it. And if you like any of the like the stuff Chuck Reagan does or the stuff Frank Turner does, I think you'd give it you should give it a shot. I think you'd really like it. So Josh Mann, Everything I Love is Trying to Kill Me. Shout out to Josh. Uh, I had a little Zoom meeting with Josh the other night and I had to be up. I had to stay up to like three in the morning because he's in Australia and the time difference is a killer. So a shout out to Josh and check out his EP. Next on the list, no effects and Frank Turner split West Coast versus Wessex. I had Smelly on the show from no effects and I had Frank on the show, Frank Turner. And I tell you, this split is all it's cracked up to be, man. Frank just made the no effects songs his own and no effects made the Frank songs there. I mean, it just, it's one of my favorite splits ever. You need to check it out. If you're a Frank Turner fan or a no effects fan, West coast versus Wessex out on fat records, check it out. It's awesome. Okay. Next on the list, just had this guy on the program last week. Get dead. Sam was on the program last week, their new album dancing with the curse. I know I talked it up a lot last time last week, but it is, it's probably my top release of the year. If you like ska, if you like punk, if you like hip hop, if you like, I mean, even metal, like whatever, it's, it's everything rolled into one that I like about music. You got to check it out. Get dead with dancing with the curse out on fat. Most of these are fat releases. It's pretty funny. Um, next on the list, be well, the weight and the cost out on equal vision records. I had Brian McTernan on the show, the singer of get well. And man, that record, ever since their publicist sent it to me, I have not stopped listening to that record. I'm I'm not lying. Nobody's paying me to say this. That record kills, man. So uh, you need to check it out. And I just had a frog in my throat. Sorry if you don't like coughing. I just coughed into the microphone. But yeah, get well, not get well, be well with the weight and the cost out on Equal Vision Records. Check it out. Streaming everywhere. It's such a good record. You guys, you guys are going to love it. Next on the list, Protest the Hero with Palimpsest, their 2020 release, their new record. Man, the record's awesome. The B-sides they released are awesome. 
Rody's voice is unreal. Tim's guitar playing. I, oh man, it. I love Protest the Hero, and I have since Kazaya way back in the day, like t- 2005 or seven or whatever it was. So check that out. Protest the Hero with Palimpsest. Uh, next on the list, we only have three more. The Beautiful Mistake. You're not broken. I am. Beautiful Mistake. When I had Josh on the program, I don't think he really believed me that I liked his band as much as I did, but I remember Brian, my bass player from the Atari, is one of my best friends in my entire life. He kind of turned me on to The Beautiful Mistake, and it was off of their first demo. It was before they even had a record out. And we always kind of went back to that demo because even though they went to Ed Rose and he produced the hell out of that next record, there was something about those demos they really did it for us, man. And I still listen to the demos all the time. The demos are on Spotify. All their stuff's on Spotify. But uh, The Beautiful Mistake are a very important band to me. I still listen to them all the time. And you can go back and listen to, to Josh's episode if you want. But yeah, The Beautiful Mistake, You're Not Broken, I Am. I think it's an EP. It's not a full length, but it's uh, it's packed with great music. So check it out. Uh, the next one is No Surprise, Metallica, S&M 2. Symphony and Metallica, it's their live record with the San Francisco Orchestra. It's awesome. They did some songs they didn't do back in 97 when they did the first S&M or 99. I can't remember what year that, year that was. But uh, yeah, check it out. Metallica S&M 2. They don't need my promotion, but it's really, really good. I, I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. And last but not least, like I said, no order. Strike Anywhere, Nightmares of the West. It's an EP as well. I didn't specify if it had to be a full length or an EP. But Strike Anywhere, I've been listening to those guys 16, 17, 18 years, something like that. It's crazy. And everything they put out is amazing. And uh, hoping in the future to get Thomas or one of those guys on the program. But Strike Anywhere is amazing. If you listen to this show, you know how good Strike Anywhere is. So check out their new EP, Nightmares of the West. So once again, in no particular order, Childish Gambino, 3-15-20, the self-titled record by Pears, Josh Mann, Everything I Love is Trying to Kill Me, No Effects, Frank Turner Split, West Coast versus Wessex, Get Dead, Dancing with the Curse, Be Well, The Weight and the Cost, Protest the Hero, Palimpsest, The Beautiful Mistake, You're Not Broken, I Am, Metallica, S&M 2, and Strike Anywhere, Nightmares of the West. So I hope you guys liked some of those picks for my top records of the year. I want to know your top records of the year. Email me, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com or send me a DM at TOTOTpodcast. Let me know what your top five, your top 10, your top seven, whatever. I want to know what you guys have been listening to as well for this shitty year we've had. At least there's been some good music, right? So that is it for the intro. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, to jump into my interview, my chat, my conversation with Mr. John Nix, director of the brand new anti-flag documentary, Beyond Barricades. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. John Nix, Turnstile Films, the new anti-flag documentary, Beyond Barricades. You got a lot going on, man. How's everything going for you? Uh, it's going good. It's going good. How about you? Everything's great, man. I'm glad we could reschedule this. I uh, I had some stuff happen last time, and and now we're we're on the line and we're talking, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, the way that I always start these things off, because of the the pandemic that is upon us, I always talk about at the beginning. 
How has it affected your life? Where are you? Are you in Ohio somewhere? Yeah, we're in Cleveland. You're in Cleveland. So you're probably three or four hours from me. I'm in Indiana, but uh, is it bad over there right now with the cases? We're, we're getting our record like every day right now. Yeah, yeah. It's the same here. Uh, and it's a real, it's a real bummer. Um, because when this whole thing started, we were like the like textbook case that every like New York Times was write, writing articles about like how well our governor was handling it and all that stuff. Uh, and now it's just like gone just like right into the drink. Um, he created this whole like complicated like color system, like this terrorist <laughs> level kind of threat. Yeah. Um, and, and so Cuyahoga County where Cleveland's at uh, is the, I'm pretty sure it's the most densely populated County in the, in the state. Uh, it's about to hit purple, which is like code red levels. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting bad and it seems like they're not going to like want to try to shut back down, which is probably what should actually be done. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about that with my wife all the time because where I live in Muncie, Indiana, we, you know, we have a huge state college here, Ball State University. So it's, I think it's maybe the fourth or fifth largest city in Indiana. So it's a big, kind of a big place. And the cases of, are kind of out of control right now. And I just feel like not being a scientist myself, if we just shut down for a like really hard lockdown for a couple months, maybe it would be better, but maybe it wouldn't. I mean, I, you know, you're in Cleveland. I just, this is going to come out probably after the election. But mm -hmm. they just said that that Biden is making like an, an unscheduled appearance in Cleveland before the election. Do you think that maybe the current cases and everything are like driving him to maybe make a stop there? Um, I mean, I think he's coming here because he's uh, he's way up in Pennsylvania now. I mean, I think he has in the bag. He has Wisconsin in the bag. So it's not going to be like a repeat of last time where it's like right on the line. It's, you know, he'll lose the Rust Belt states you know, by a margin of like a thousand votes. Uh, but Cleveland, like well, Ohio is uh, kind, kind of at this point, I mean, it used to be a pretty reliable swing state where you kind of didn't know which way it was going to go. More and more, it's getting reliably red here. Um, but he's also like right on that margin. And that would be an enormous get if he could get this state. Yeah. So I think that's why he's putting his efforts here because he knows he doesn't necessarily have to go to like Pennsylvania, who's I think he's up like six or seven points, depending on the poll you look at there. So I, I always make the joke like this isn't a political podcast, but I was I, I always talk to my wife about this stuff. It's like, you know, at the Trump rallies, you know, maybe Kid Rock will be there. But then at the Biden rallies, you've got like, you know, Stevie Wonder was there last night. I, I always think it's funny the the caliber of musicians that are at the actual events for the two different candidates. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I went to an Obama rally back in 08, like I think before he had even gotten the candidacy and already like Bruce Springsteen was opening for him. Like we got a free Bruce Springsteen concert <laughs> before he came out and gave a speech. It's great. Um, but uh yeah, no, I mean, it's just, they're, they're just like so lame. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> like, you're like, uh, well, and at this point, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen the stories where he's like abandoning crowds in the cold. Like he's all going all over the Midwest yeah. and then like there's supposed to be buses and trams to get these like elderly people that are waiting out for hours to go see him give a speech. He's just leaving them on the tarmac for yeah. hours. Like they're having to be hospitalized and it's just like, I, I just like feel like they're still probably not going to get it. Like they're not going to learn the lesson. Like he effectively didn't care about you. <laughs> I've just always thought it's so funny. Like, like I said, this isn't a political show, but it's like, I remember the inauguration. They ask all these different groups to play the inauguration and it ended up being like three doors down and, and just a bunch of shit that nobody wants to, I mean, maybe Trump yeah. and Trump supporters want to go see three doors down. I, I probably wouldn't go to it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> butt rock is pretty successful, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
it's one of those things. It's that, it's that whole like Nickelback paradox where everyone goes like, oh, you're the worst band in the world. And then like they turn around in the other direction. There's like a stadium full for them. So yeah, that's the thing. I, know, I, we, I've talked about Nickelback a couple of times on this show and it's like, I'm not a fan, but you can't say they're bad because millions of people <laughs> buy their stuff. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, I like things that maybe are a little bit deeper. <laughs> You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But let's talk yeah. let's talk about that then. You know, we're going to get to one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on the show today is the new anti-flag documentary Behind Barricades. But before we get into that, maybe a little bit of background on yourself. You know, have you always kind of been into punk rock and that type of stuff? How did you get into filmmaking? Like kind of kind of walk me through, I guess, your early days of getting into what you're doing now. Uh, yeah, so uh, I grew up in Florida until I was 14, um, and then we moved up here uh, like right as I was going into high school, and I had already gotten into like punk and metal and like kind of anything ab- abrasive, really. Like I, I was into like really heavy stuff in middle school, um, but I had always kind of like approached it uh, from like kind of a ni- like a nihilistic, angry perspective. Yeah. I mean, it was just angsty at that age. Um, and then I met my girlfriend, uh, who I'm still with, when I was 16, and she got me into like way more focused, um, like political, uh, like very ideologically minded music, uh, and that really helped me kind of like find my way through, like figure out who I wanted to be, and not just like defining myself in opposition. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, I grew up in like a one parent household. I was basically raised by the TV, and so like it was always a thing that I knew that I was drawn to. So uh, in college, I went to this vocational school uh, in rural Ohio and like learned how to run cameras and edit and all that stuff there, college. And then since then, we've just been running uh, like a small independent production company. Most of it's like passion project stuff. We've done tons of music videos, short films, short documentaries. Uh, and this is like our first like proper full length that's come out. What were some of the bands, you know, once your, your girlfriend kind of, focus what you were listening to what were some of those bands that you were really liking back then um definitely rise against um i already gotten into fugazi before her but it was mainly from like an aesthetic point of view like i got really into that really like squealy guitar like um you know cursive sonic youth that kind of guitar sound um before then but after that i got more into like the, the politics of all those discord records and all that kind of stuff so you know becoming a filmmaker uh, I always like to get people's stories like you're telling me your story right now. You told me about the bands that were kind of turning you on back then. Do you remember, you know, was it the TV, like you just said, being raised by the TV? Or were there certain movies that you really identified with when you were young that kind of influenced what you wanted to be when you got older? Um. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I just watched all the same stuff that was really popular. Like, I was really into Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Uh, I was, like, obsessed with Back to the Future. Hell yeah, um, <laughs> And then in uh, in high school, like, I mean, I'd already... So when I was a kid, uh, there was this place called Movie King. It was, like, the, the closest video rental place. And uh, my mom just signed a thing so she wouldn't have to come in. So I could just rent anything I wanted. Like, they had a piece of paper behind the counter that was just, like, just give this kid whatever. It doesn't matter. His parent doesn't care if it's R-rated. Um, so I basically just like rented everything in the store. So I had seen like some pretty weird independent stuff. Like I saw, like I saw a sex lies and videotape as, wow. as like a really young kid. And I was just like, what? Cause I was figuring like, Oh cool. It's going to be like a TNA movie. Great. I'm in middle school. Um, but then you get into it and it's just like this weird psychological like interview thing that happens the whole time. And it's great. Um, but yeah, as I got into high school, like I started seeing movies like Harmony Korean stuff, 
and like all those early Darren Aronofsky movies. And like, I found like really like crazy shocking boundary pushing stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, the, these can be movies. Like it's not, it doesn't have to have all these stars and have this huge budget and be like this action adventure. It could just be like this weird thing that takes place in rural Ohio, uh, where just like kids are killing cats. Well, yeah. Like, and that, like, like totally, that totally changed my perspective. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm like obsessed with gummo. That was the thing. Like I, when I was growing up, I think I'm probably older than you. How old are you? Uh, 32. 32. Okay. I'm 42. I'm 10 years older, but I remember like fresh out of high school, me and like my, my guys in my band, like we, we found gummo or we found, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember watching kids when it first came out, you know, like those movies that they, they were really good, but they were those indie movies that kind of were more artistic and dealt with different topics that maybe the big budget movies didn't, didn't tackle. I can see that really influencing someone like you to it's because it's an art form it's supposed to be an art form like are there shitty corporate movies that you do enjoy though <laughs> mm-hmm. oh of course of course <laughs> i mean le- like less so now i mean I've, I've kind of sworn like you know i enjoyed like the first earlier marble things and because honestly they were kind of just figuring it out and it was real fun and at, at this point it's like i've seen enough i don't yeah. i don't need it anymore um but there's still yeah there's still plenty of major studio movies that i like i watch all the time <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's it's fun. They're good. At, they're, it's like a pop song, you know. What I mean, it's like you can't. You, there's no denying that it's good and it's really calm. It's really well made. Really good people work yeah. on that stuff. Uh, but I I just end up liking something challenging. I like hearing and seeing things that I haven't seen before. Um, and as far as Gummo goes, I mean, like I think I identified so much with that one in particular because uh, I grew up r- really poor. I grew up in a Florida trailer park, <laughs> uh, and so it was just like it was basically I grew up in that movie more or less. Uh, and it was like the first time I saw actual poverty portrayed on screen in like an accurate way, not just like kids living in Orange County in like a McMansion being like, mom, I don't have money for the movies. And it's like, it was actual, like, it was like, oh no, these are people that I grew up around. I know exactly who this is. I've met this person. And I feel like in Gummo too, like I haven't done the research, but a lot of the people in that movie, I feel like they were almost playing versions of themselves and their actual lives. Like it didn't feel... Mm -hmm. Like it was a lot of actors that they hired, you know, like, I don't know. It just, it felt real. It almost felt, you know, it was pre-reality TV, but yeah. Yeah. He got that. Well, that's funny you say reality TV because he, he got the main kid that was in it. Like the, the younger kid uh, who's on like box cover. Um, He was like on like Donahue. Uh, for huffing paint yeah. and Harmony was just like oh cool I'm gonna I'm gonna cast this kid because he said something like well I like huffing paint and you know if I die I die whatever I don't care and it's like this 11 year old kid saying this it's just like I need to meet this kid I, I like the the little kids selling the candy bars like selling him candy bars making them greenbacks <laughs> <laughs> it's like my favorite thing in that. their little their little blazers <laughs> yeah I love that movie yeah. so much I need to actually go watch it when we get off the off the phone here <laughs> <laughs> but uh let, let's uh let's jump into you know the big reason you 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 were co-founder of uh of Turnstile Films. I know that you know you said you guys had done a lot of music videos and whatnot. I know that your first actual film came out earlier this year called Power Bomb. Can you tell me a little bit about Power Bomb? Yeah, uh Power Bomb is a re- like a, it's a narrative, it's not a documentary. Uh it's a wrestling thriller that's about an obsessed fan that kidnaps his favorite wrestler uh, who's just about to pop out of the indie circuit and maybe get like into the big time. Uh, And it's sort of about toxic fandom and parasocial relationships. Um, But it was something that we produced a couple years ago. Uh, It took us a while to finish it up and get distribution and all that stuff uh, with a 
local production company named Sickening Pictures that we were friends with. Uh, so that was like our first foray into like narrative features. And we had already been working on the anti-flag talk uh, for a while before that, but it wasn't completed yet. Do you approach, you know, everything differently? You know, you do music videos, you do documentaries. Now you have a narrative out there. Is is there a different way to approach stuff? I mean, I know with a documentary, you're just kind of compiling information and then putting it together with a narrative to kind of make it flow. But when you're doing a film that's actually fiction or somewhat fiction, I mean, is, is there a lot of differences in putting those together? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'm, I'm just as much an editor as I am a director. So I really try to think about making the aesthetic of the project match the content. Like the anti-flag documentary kind of needed to be straightforward. It needed to be this thing that where like you get across a message because that's what the music's about. And that's, it's also the aesthetic of the music. I mean, they essentially write, um, you know, pop songs, uh, more or less to like get across complicated political ideas that are approachable to a normal person where like, we're mostly done with another documentary uh, on Justin Pearson from The Locust. And like, as I'm starting to put in final touches on that, I like, I want to keep like layering and layering and more cool, weird effects and like things that actually match how erratic and crazy that music is. Uh, and I mean, it's the same thing with music videos. Like you want, you know, you don't want a metal video to look boring. You don't want a hip hop video to not be fun if it's like a banger. And then, it, I mean, we've done plenty of like commercial or corporate work just because, you know, you have to make money. Uh, and so obviously I can't be like experimental and weird for that. So it's always about like thinking about what tone you need as you're doing it, even if you're just doing an interview, like you need to know what to focus on. So with Powerbomb and, you know, forgive me, I haven't seen it yet. I, I want to see it. I just, I was reading about it oh, it's on, fine. before this interview. I was, you know, I always prepare and it was all pretty much about the anti-flag thing, but that, you know, seeing that you guys put out, a narrative film, I wanted to kind of dig into that as well. When, you know, you're a co-founder of Turnstile Films, you're a director, you're an editor, you kind of wear a lot of hats. What is the process like for finding actors? Like, are these, you know, when I was young, my friends and I made a bunch of movie movies about like this redneck band called Devil's Brew. And it was kind of like this SNL Monty Python type thing. And we mm -hmm. just used all of our friends, you know, because we had no budget. And it, it was cool, but it was very punk rock you know um yeah when, when you're doing a narrative like that and you're trying to find you're trying to cast it you're trying to find locations maybe get permits i don't know how how that goes how did that all work out did you have your hand in a lot of that too um yeah yeah i so for power my assistant directed it and edited it um and so yeah i mean with that with that movie we kind of approached it as like we're just going to cast this whole thing with independent wrestlers because like that's going to help move the movie to like its specific market. Yeah. People that are really obsessed with wrestling know all about like these independent regional guys because like they, I mean, they still travel the country. Um, and like, honestly, they're, they're all really down. Like they're all, they're all pretty crazy dudes uh, that are really into just like being, being busy and doing stuff. Um, it, we're not really at the point yet uh with being able to do like big casting yeah. or like getting a real yeah. big game in it so really it's about just trying to find like talented people that you uh click with that have some kind of a draw for them even if it's a small pool like it's it's cool to have a bunch of like smaller names that have sort of followings and build all that together rather than just try to you know like bruce willis will notoriously 
basically work on any movie at this point, but his day rate's like a million dollars. So you can get Bruce Willis for like one day, you shoot all his lines, it just like run through it. And then you can go, oh, look, Bruce Willis is in our movie. And that's what you're going to bank your bad action movie on, yeah. you know? <laughs> so it's like, we didn't, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to try to find a bunch of people that were really interested in like being a part of it and really like sinking their teeth in. Maybe you should try like the, the washed up actors, like the Sharknado movies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I always, I always wonder because those people, like when you watch those movies, like I find them hilarious. I love watching them, but there's, I don't know, like a hundred actors in those movies that have been in big box office smashes, but of course they're not doing much now. I wonder what their day rates are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, probably fairly affordable. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's always such a like a gamble. I, I think about that a lot, just because I mean, like Tarantino's known for doing that. You know how he like revived Travolta's career. Yeah, yeah. And, all that stuff. Like, I mean, he's, he's very notorious for doing that. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Cause I mean, there are plenty of actors that I look at and I go like, Oh man, what, what happened? Cause you like, you never know what happened behind the scenes. If they said something to the wrong person and yeah. either blacklisted or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I would, there's so many like actors where I'm just like, you're underappreciated. I would love to work with you or I'd love to put you in something that you haven't been in before. Like that, like that would be great. It just depends. It just depends on why they're not do like doing work anymore. Because it could just be that they're assholes. <laughs> I'm sure that working with the wrestlers as well, like there's kind of a lot of acting that goes into wrestling. So were some mm -hmm. of those guys like pretty pretty skilled at the acting chops? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's one wrestler named Supercop who's from uh, Detroit, and he was just like a, amazing, like amazing at ad libbing. We basically were just, like once we got a couple takes out of him, we were just like. Just throw the script away. Just like do whatever, <laughs> do whatever you want in the scene. You're just chewing it up. It's awesome. So let's. I, I do want to start talking about you know kind of the the thing the the big reason that I wanted you on this show the the anti flag documentary beyond board beyond borders beyond barricades. Uh, I watched it the <laughs> other night. You sent me the link. Thank you so much for that. I gotta say, man, I am a music documentary junkie. Like I'll watch, I watched the freaking Justin Bieber. Like, I don't care what it is. Cause I, I love music and I love seeing how things are put together. I've been a huge fan of anti-flag played shows with him back in the day. You know, Chris number two has been on the program before. I just, it was amazing, man. Like I love how it was put together. You. Like you said, it was very straightforward. I'm, I'm very kind of, you know, curious as to, when you started working on it and like how long you've known those guys and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, the first meeting we had with them was in March of 2013. Uh, so it was a long time ago at this point. Uh, and like we, we clicked right away. Uh, the way that I ended up getting into it was Chris Stowe, who now runs AF records. Uh, he's the label manager. Uh, he used to live in Cleveland for a few years and we ended up working in the same building, uh, became friends. And then, stayed in touch and so like when he when he got there got that job he basically was like uh we have like a giant tub full of tapes and like all these old vhs's and many db tapes like do you want to take a look at them and see if you can like come up with a movie out of this uh so, so i was like yeah why not like i was I'm, I'm always looking for projects i like having like five things going at once just because i'm a lot of filmmaking is hurry up and wait and hurry up and wait so it's one of those things where it's just like you're just like going and going and pumping away for like three months and then suddenly it's just like well we got to wait a month and a half for this thing to happen otherwise we can't do anything and so you're just stuck there and so i like to have things that i can jump around to um so i just i just took it um imported a bunch of the tapes watched a ton of the footage uh and like felt like yeah there's like a lot of stuff in here even without us shooting anything there was like so much good stuff on all those tapes 
so we had a meeting with the band. Uh, they were all cool with everything, and they basically trusted us with their story right away, uh, which I'm really grateful for. And so we were just shooting it on and off and on and off as cheaply as we could over the past seven years. So were you kind of a fan of their music prior to that? I mean, they kind of seemed like they would fit in the stuff you were you were listening to back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I feel bad for it because in a couple of interviews, I, I've, I've explained it. And like, they were a band I always wanted to like. Uh, like, I, I remember seeing A New Kind of Army, like the album art, and just being like, oh, this is going to be the best. And then like, listen to it and I just didn't really connect with it. Yeah. Um, and I think like, like looking back now, it's, I think it's just the production. The production on that is just like a little wonky. And I think I just like, wasn't ready for something that raw sounding. Um, and so I just, but they were always a band that like I, I respected and I liked like, it, like in the periphery where I was just like, Oh, I'm not into them. That's cool that they're still doing stuff. Good for them. You know? Yeah. Um, and then once this came back around, I went back through and I listened to their, I think at that point they had two post major label albums and like both of those I connected with right away. Like the people with the gun was like, what convinced me like, okay, no, this is sweet. Like, this is the first one that like, that, that was like where I was like, playing it on repeat going like, no, I'm really excited to do this documentary. Like that's when I connected to them. So, you know, with a band like anti-flag, they have a very long career and they're still going like, it's not, you're doing a documentary about black flag or, I mean, I guess they're still going too, but like (laughs) actually black flag, um, (laughs) technically, (laughs) technically black flag. (laughs) So with a band like that, that has had such a long career and there's so much, I mean, their new stuff they're doing is still relevant and, you know, it, it is political and, and it's, it's the right time for that kind of stuff right now. But with a band that has been going that long and there's so much stuff that you need to cover from a long time ago, what was it like trying to find the narrative with all the footage you had and, and kind of writing the story? Because I don't think a lot of people know in a documentary, you still have to make it flow like a movie. There has to be a beginning and a middle and an end. And, and like mm-hmm. you have to solve problems and like you have to make it yeah. like digestible for people to watch. So with a band with that kind of career, what was the process like to narrow stuff down and maybe know what to cut and what not to cut? Yeah. I, I mean, there, oh man, there's so much, there's so much that got cut, just like fun stuff, you know, it's just like fun tour stuff where they're just like goofing off with each other. Um, but but yeah, no, I mean, you always have to go into a documentary with what you think the story is. Like, you have to have some sort of an outline that you're kind of working off. And a lot of times it just ends up drawing in whatever different direction. Uh, but you do need somewhere to start, for sure, as far as, like, looking at it as a story. Um, but the thing that we just kept coming back to was, like, there are a million reasons why, like, they should have just quit. Like, yeah. like, you know, their label got destroyed. They had a bunch of personal problems, uh, which is with their relationships. Uh, just a bunch of stuff that... I, I could look at it and go like, all right, cool. Yeah, no, you hang it up then. No, you hang it up then. And that would be the end of the story. And they just kept going. I mean, while during the process of us making this movie, I think they released four albums. Uh, and so that just ended up kind of being the narrative of just like, either tune or another one. Um, so that, that to me is, I think, the, the overriding theme through the entire thing, especially when you look at the politics. Because the, that's the thing with, with politics that's really frustrating for anyone that's ever gotten into activism is just like there are so many minor losses here and there and major losses and so you but you can't just give up on it you have to keep going if you actually want to affect some sort of tangible change so it definitely went with the musical career and it went with the themes of what they were talking about and what the movie ultimately ended up being about and and that was another thing with you know this being an election year we were just talking about the election at the beginning of the podcast it seems like the perfect time 
for this to come out about a band that has been so vocal about their politics, do you think that like that's kind of a pro for releasing it right now? I mean, do you think maybe it might get a little bit more attention or is that even a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, we were at the point where it was almost done during the 2016 election and we were like, all right, cool. Uh, you know, we're going to do it. And then tide, tide turned, Trump got elected. And so we sort of just sat on it for a little bit, just going like, all right, cool. How do like, how does this affect the story? Where, like, where do we take it from here? What are we going to do with it? And I, I, I think it's advantageous that we just kind of, we w- gave it a, a couple years of breathing room because everything that was in the documentary is so much more relevant now. Like, like everyone is so much more radicalized. Uh, everyone is just like fed up and can, can see why a radical message, like what they're saying would, uh, like resonate with them personally, probably better than they could have ever back then. You know, I mean, it's easy to say these things in like times of prosperity, you know, I mean, everyone just becomes passive and they just go like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all rhetoric. But like once like the rubber meets road and you start having like a wannabe fascist as president, like suddenly you look at all these records in a totally different light. So the, the process of interviewing people, I always find pretty fascinating you know, uh, our mutual friend, Sean, who did a fat wreck documentary, uh, mm-hmm. he, he did a lot, you know, they would go to like punk rock bowling or whatever. And, and they would have like, we're going to get as many people on here as we can talking about these subjects. Cause everybody's in one spot. Now I know that you, you know, you guys had Tom Morello from rage against the machine, Brian Baker from bad religion and minor threat, Billy Bragg's on there. Like, you know, Tim from rise against, there's so many people on there talking about anti-flag, what was the process of the interviewing like? Were did you have to do them all separately? Were they somewhere together? I'm always like wondering about that when I watch these kind of things. Yeah, it was a, it was always kind of sporadic because, like I said, we were trying to do it for as cheaply as possible. Um, and we all had, I mean, we all had day jobs where, like, you know, you can only get away so often. So it's sort of like a, oh, cool, they're going to be within three hours travel. Let's drive out tonight real quick, and then we'll drive out in the middle of the back in the middle of the night so we can be at our job in the morning. Um, we got Morello when he was doing fill-in guitar for Bruce Springsteen on wow. that tour, uh, because uh, I'm blanking on his name. The other guy uh, was filming Lily Hammer, um, Lil Steven, and uh, Billy Bragg. Who else was it? Brian Baker. Both of them were at uh, Riot Fest in Chicago that year, and so we we were supposed to get a couple more in there, but it just it's. Crazy. I mean, it's it's hard to get people when they're at festivals just because they're in an entirely different mindset. It's a very like work, 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 meet up with all these friends that I haven't seen in forever kind of mindset. And it's hard to get them to get like to go sit aside for a half hour with us <laughs> to, to go talk about something that like, I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of documentaries that end up getting, you know, 10 interviews in and then it's just like, well, I can't find the story, whatever. And then they just kind of stop filming. Um, and so I'm sure that plenty of people have like approached names that big before. And so a lot of times it's just like, eh, it's worth my time when it's at those big festivals. So I found that it was actually easier when it was just like bands touring as opposed to some sort of like a big thing like that. So what's the process then of like Tom Morello, who is, you know, a rock star. Like he's, he's one mm-hmm. of those guys. Like if I wanted to get him on my podcast, I'd probably have a hard time doing it. I've had guys of maybe that stature before, but I've always had an in. So was your in with him, the anti-flag guys, or did you go through a publicist or like, how did that go? 
No, no, no. It was just them. Uh, I mean, like they, they stay in touch with everybody and they're like, they have good reputations with everyone. So they basically just like shot him a text and were just like, are you interested? You want to do this? Uh, and he was down. I mean, he was, he's one of the most like gracious, well-spoken, nice dudes that I've ever interviewed. I mean, he's, he was so cool. And every answer was perfect. Like basically everything that he, because we only had him for a half hour, basically. Um, and so including setup and breakdown. So basically every single thing he said to us is in the movie. I mean, like that's how on he was with all of his answers. That's, that's awesome, man. I've always heard he's like a really, really nice guy. Never met him before. Oh, yeah. He's, he's so nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Shout out to Tom. If you're listening, come on the podcast, man. <laughs> um, were there any subjects that were maybe off limits. The guy, the guys seem like, I mean, you don't have to tell me the subjects. That's not like just yes or no, I guess would be a good answer, but they seem like open books when they're talking about stuff. And there was all that heavy stuff with Chris's sister. I mean, when they, when everything, when it flooded and they lost everything, it just seems like there are things that maybe certain people wouldn't talk about, but those guys seem like they're very open and they were just, you know, this is our story and and we're going to put in all the scars and everything. Yeah, no, they were, I don't, I don't think there was ever any, I, I don't think there was ever anything that was like, oh, no, we don't want to talk about that at all. I mean, every once in a while, uh, they would be like, oh, man, I sound stupid saying it that way or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, I mean, if you just give them space to clarify, I mean, that, that's, that's fine. Uh, it's always a weird thing being like, hey, let me make a documentary about you <laughs> because it's sort of like, let me do the definitive uh, like story of your life. Are you cool with that? All right. Thanks. Uh, like that's, a, it's gotta be a, a strange thing to be asked. You know I mean? Like I've never been asked it. So I like, I don't, I don't know how it feels, but it has to feel really um, invasive. And we always try to be really respectful. I mean, when we were doing the heavier stuff and we've done a, even in our other documentaries, like there's a lot of heavy conversations about death and tragedy and a bunch of, you know, personal tragedy. Uh, it's it's always weird going into those conversations, but I always like to prep people beforehand. Where it's just like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this today. Are you cool with it? If you need if you need a break, we'll we'll take a break. You know, whatever whatever you need to do to get through it. Uh, but I don't try to linger on that stuff too much. Like I don't want to like pry open the wound. I'm not really interested in getting footage where people are just like bawling their eyes out. Like that just ends up making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, a lot more to me about covering what happened and then what's your response to it? Cause that, that's always the exciting thing to me is like, okay, this bad thing happened and then what'd you do? Cause that, that's where you really find where someone's true character is at. Have you, uh, have you seen filmage, the, this descendants documentary? No, no, not yet. I own it. I just like, it's it's in the shelf and I haven't watched it yet. I need to. It's on the stack of things that I'm trying to prioritize. Well, I tell you, man, there, there's a, there's a section where Bill is talking about his dad passing away and it affected me. My, my dad passed away when I was like in my twenties and just, I've respected Bill so long and I love that band so much. And I tell you, man, like that's one of the most powerful things I've seen in any documentary. So you, you need to check it out. Like it's not, they're not forcing him to talk about it, but it's, it's, it's pretty brutal to watch, man. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. Not- <laughs> You're ex- yeah, you should be excited. It's, it's a really good piece yeah. of filmmaking, but it's just, yeah, it's, so that's the thing when I watch documentaries and I love it when it's just, Hey, and then we did this tour and then we did this and blah, 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 blah. But when you actually come away from the documentary feeling like, you know, the artists more as like a person, 
That's what mm-hmm. I really enjoy. And that's what I felt with your documentary, especially, like I said, the trials and tribulations of being in a band or whatever, but the personal struggles and like, you know, seeing Justin's parents and like the whole thing that you guys did, it just seemed like, it seemed like you left nothing out. So I would love to see the stuff that you did leave out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a, we left most of the like good character, emotional stuff in um, a lot of anything that got cut was mostly for time. I mean, I, I hate stuff that overstays its welcome. I've seen a lot of, bloated like poorly edited documentaries that are just like it's two hours and 10 minutes this is like an 80 minute movie max like in like there's so much you could go and then it would like everyone would just leave happier you know um but yeah i don't know when we were when we were shooting stuff i i wasn't really interested in being like okay cool what'd you do for this album run me through the whole process of this recording and this touring and this recording and this touring because it'll just end up being that whole like and then and then and then storytelling yeah where you really need it to be like, this happened, therefore this happened, and then this happened. Like, like you have to connect all that stuff together. And I think that um, if you don't make it personal and you don't make it about where are they at emotionally during these different parts in their career, what hat was happening to them personally, it just ends up feeling like you're recounting a bunch of stuff. Like it's a, I don't know, VH1, like I love the 90s kind of thing, where it's just like, <laughs> remember Saved by the Bell? Remember this? Remember that? And like that can just come off feeling shallow. Like you don't want the audience to leave and feel like, you know, a week later be like, yeah, what did I watch? I mean, I know that this person was in there, but what did they say? I can't remember anything, you know? And that, and that's, it, it's, I, you know, I try to make movies that I think are going to be entertaining to me. And what's entertaining to me is like really getting at like, why, like, why are these people in this niche community doing the thing that they're doing? Like what drives them to create stuff and where do they come from? I would think it would be kind of like a tightrope to walk between, you know, when I think of anti-flag, of course I like them. I've listened to them for a long time, but they are one of those, like, I guess, legacy bands where if you go to mm-hmm. warp tour, yeah, for sure now. if you go to warp tour, there might be all these new, I mean, I know warp tour doesn't exist anymore, but if you would go there and, you know, they changed with the times they'd have the metal bands, the hardcore bands, but you'd still have bands on the main stage, like no effects, bad religion, less than Jake, anti-flag. So I, I look at them as being one of those legacy bands to where you could just do a shit job and everyone would love it probably. So is mm-hmm. it kind of a hard thing? Like were there days where you were editing or you were even filming or whatever and maybe you could have gone down this easy road and just kind of covered because there's all that nostalgia and all that other stuff. But then there's also the real thing on the other side you were just talking about. Were there days where it was hard to kind of choose on like what to cover? Um, no, no not really. Uh, just because I, it's kind of ironic like to make a, like a more shallow, poppier documentary that's like that, that's fluffier it ends up being more work. Like there's a lot of just like, and we're going to throw in animation. We're going to throw in like a bunch of fun little music. And then we're going to have like all like this reenactment thing that happens for this, just for like humor's sake. And we're going to do all this stuff where like, it's, it's honestly easier just to be like, no, let's talk about all this personal stuff and kind of like allowing it the breathing space and like letting it sit there and not cutting away from those moments. Like it's, I think it's a lot harder to, do something where like you're just trying to be like hey everyone let's have fun like i i mean i was i was just ripping on like you know i love the 90s type stuff but the, i mean the editing on those shows is labor intensive i mean yeah. there's there's a lot that goes into it and it's a lot about like you need to write down like every single thing every single person says and like a giant spreadsheet so you can find every single thing 
And it's all about just like where, where when you're trying to do something a little more uh, like languid at times and a little more slow and immersive, it, there's honestly less work that goes into it because it's much more about just like feeling it out. It, it's not about like compensating for like, please don't get bored, please don't get bored, you know? So, you know, talking about being an editor, I, uh, I'm sure you've seen those things like on YouTube where like President Trump sings Inner Sandman by Metallica or something. Mm -hmm. When they do that, I've always thought, because I mean, I can, I edit video once in a while. I, of course, I edit audio all the time. But when you're doing that and you're going through like speech after speech after speech to try to find one word or one phrase, is there some sort of program that does that? Or is somebody just pouring over hours of his stuff? Like, how did, do you even know how that works? <laughs> No, no, not really. Um, I mean, the transcripts of his speeches are available online. So that could be how they're doing it, where they're just doing like word searches on yeah. those documents. Um, so that would be my guess for how they did it. Uh, but I'm always impressed with those those videos. They're, they feel like um, like moving ransom notes, <laughs> where, where it's just like, I need, I need to find a big R. Where yeah. do I find a big R? Just like flipping through magazines. Um, <laughs> like that's what I always think of when I watch them. Uh, but no, that, that I'm always impressed. Like, I mean, bad, bad lip reading, like all those videos are just like, just mesmerizing <laughs> as like an editor. Well, you know what? I, I have favorite documentaries for music. I would like to kind of know what some of your favorites are now that you, you know, you guys have this out and I, I, I can't believe anybody would think it's, you know, anything but five stars. Cause I, I love the whole thing, man. I've watched it, watch it Thanks, twice. I, I really appreciate that. I've actually watched it twice. Wow. I watched it again this morning before I got on the phone with you. So what are some of your favorite documentaries, you know, music based documentaries? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the one I always like to go to because, uh, this is, this is a filmmaker like no one talks about and, and I love him. I love his work. Uh, his name is Les Blank. Uh, he's probably most famous for his movie uh, Burden of Dreams, which is all about Werner Herzog trying to film Fitzcarraldo in the Amazon. Wow. And just like what a debacle that film was. Yeah. Uh, that's that's like the thing that most people know him for. Like whenever you see like gifts of like Werner Herzog talking about how birds are screaming in pain and stuff, <laughs> it's from that movie. Um, but he did he devoted like his life to like covering like really interesting like dying cultures. Like like he has all these little mini documentaries uh, that are like a half hour long that are just about like this is a weird community of like black people that only speak French that live in rural Louisiana and they play like <laughs> this weird version of ragtime music. Yeah. Here's uh, people that are obsessed with garlic in like a medicinal way. Here's like, he did a whole thing on like uh, women with like gap teeth um, and like Midwest, like polka fanatics and stuff. And all this stuff was like shot in like the mid sixties to like the early eighties. Uh, and he just did it with like college grants. He, he was like able to get, um, and I, I just think that he, like, he was amazing at capturing all this culture that's like not there anymore. Like, it's the only thing that documented like a, a lot of those things in those cases. And a lot of it's just like interviewing old blues guys and just like Creole musicians. And like, there's so there's so much stuff that he did. Um, so I would recommend like anything by Les Blank. A lot of it's available on uh, the Criterion Channel app. Um, there's some that are just available on YouTube that you can go seek out, uh, but I would recommend any of it. Like it's great stuff to just, you could watch three or four of them in a row and you wouldn't get bored. Um, I love, uh, <laughs> I just, cause I just recently rewatched it. I love Metallica's uh, some kind of monster. Now you're talking to <laughs> me, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, I tell people all the time. I, I made my wife watch it. She is not a Metallica fan. I made her mm -hmm. watch it and she liked it. Everyone that I've ever met, that has watched that because I think it's just good storytelling. 
Oh yeah. I, when they just like, it's just hilarious. It, like, yeah. it's, it's I, like, when I, Lars yells, fuck I, I, really I, loud. I would program that with, I would program that with walk hard. Like I think, I think it's one of the funniest movies ever. And it, like, it just keeps getting funnier. Like when like Lars is describing his bosky out painting and being, like, <laughs> blue in there. And I just feel so bad for Kirk. Like that entire movie. I'm just like that, that poor guy. He just wants to play guitar. <laughs> I feel bad for him until I know he lives in Hawaii and has like nine houses. And then I feel less bad for him. <laughs> no, but that, oh, no, no. I, yeah. I didn't mean in general. I just meant like <laughs> during the experience. I like it when he's like, come on guys, let's stop hammering on each other and go in the studio and hammer out this song. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying earlier when, when uh, like the funniest part of the whole thing is Lars and James have this like, you know, head budding thing, their relationship. And then they're in that room with the therapist and, Lars just yells fuck as loud as he can in James's face. Like, yeah, I I give it up to those guys for being so transparent though, because I don't think there's a lot of bands that are the biggest band in the world that would let people in on how, I mean, that's brutal stuff, man. Like they, they almost broke up. Like some, some of them, I mean, I don't know. I just always, I agree with you that it's hilarious. I do agree with you with that, Mm -hmm. but I just think it's, See, seeing that my my favorite band in my entire life from the time I was twelve years old go through such like insane just trauma and I don't know I I love that movie so it's cool that you like that movie as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's fascinating because I'm pretty sure that they put it out like along yeah. like it was part it was part of the marketing for some kind of monster. So it's not even like it was like an expose hit piece or something like a thing where like. Oh, cool! You signed the release. Now we're going to go do whatever we want with the switch. Bye. Like they watched the movie and they were like, "Yep, this is okay to put out there," which seems crazy to me for how insecure at times that they they seem in it. Like it's it really shows like how complicated their characters actually are. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, yeah, there was one thing, and we'll kind of stop talking about Metallica. But there was an interview that I saw a while back with James where he talking about them putting it out. He's like, you know, I, I talked to my other friends that are in big rock bands and I'm like, what'd you do with, with your, your bonus this year or whatever. And like, Oh, I bought a Porsche. Oh, I bought a mansion. I bought an Island. What'd you do? I bought a movie. <laughs> Cause yeah, they, they put, they I mean, they produced it. They did the whole thing. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think so there's, a, there's a lot so of much money. Oh yeah, definitely, man. I'm Just speaking. to everyone. Cause I'm sure that crew wasn't, I mean, the, it was directed by the guy that directed uh, like the paradise lost trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, I mean like they were paying them, like they were paying a full movie production budget plus all that studio time for like five years, three years. <laughs> three, yeah. Whatever three to it was. Five years. <laughs> well, speaking about money, you know, for what you guys are doing, have you ever done the crowdfunding thing? Do you guys just try to, are there investors? Like, how does that go down? Because I know it's not cheap to make a movie, regardless of if it's narrative or documentary. Yeah, um, both both Powerbomb and uh, Beyond Barricades were uh, produced by Matt Chnacki. He's He runs 1984 Productions and Publishing. Uh, he does, like, coffee table books. Like, he do, he's just put out the new Weird Al book. Wow. Uh, like, Black, White, and Weird. Um, but he, he's done a, a bunch of, like, alternative movie poster books and just like a bunch of collected art books. Like he's just has a really good eye for, for like, Oh, this would be great to just collect all this stuff and print it really nice in like a big format. Um, but he's gotten into movie producing. And so we've been working with him on the last few. And then uh, as far as like crowdfunding, we just ran a successful Kickstarter for our next documentary, the one on Justin Pearson. 
uh, this past March. And that was supposed to get done this year. Uh, but our trip had to get canceled because we were supposed to fly out to San Diego and LA to shoot the last interviews and B-roll uh, like the week that the country shut down. So we, we've just kind of been sitting on our hands with that, which is, it's fine. I mean, cause we had to finish up the anti-flag one, get it out in time for the election. But I'm really hoping to dive back into that over this winter and see if we can get that finished for next spring. So, you know, I've had you on the phone for a while now. When you releasing this movie, you know, what are the promotion things that you guys do? Like, is it just put up a sizzle reel, like a trailer on YouTube, like do some Facebook sponsoring, like when, with it being kind of different nowadays with movies and music and how it's released and how it is promoted, what is your strategy to get this in front of the people that you think need to see it? Well, we figured that the best way to go about this was self-releasing it. I mean, so that's why it's on just on like our Vimeo and Amazon accounts because uh, we just wanted it to get it, like to get it to people as quickly as possible before the election. See if we can make some kind of an impact with it. Um, but I, I mean, the the distribution world is really uncertain right now because I mean, COVID basically knocked out all the film festivals. Like everyone went digital, and like as far as I know, they're still doing well. But I mean, no distribution companies are like flying out to festivals to go buy movies now like they all have rosters that they were supposed to release this year that they're just like well we have our 21 21 roster and we're just not going to buy anything else until all these movies come out um so it was one of those things where like why waste months to get into these festivals where like not like nothing's going to come of it and like no one's going to buy it so we see we felt like it was just the, the like just go punk about it you know and just like put it out ourselves so as far as like promoting it, I mean, it's just doing stuff like this. Yeah. It's doing interviews. Uh, it's trying to get articles written, you know, just reaching out to publications and seeing if they're interested. Obviously we have a trailer and it's, you know, it's just trying to pull connections and just go like, Hey man, just, are you cool with posting about this? Are you cool about posting about this? And see if we can just get the word of mouth going. I mean, it's doing, it's doing really well so far. Uh, it's exceeded my expectations for sure. And so if it keeps steady, like I'm really hoping we can get, to that next level and really like do something big in the coming years. So, yeah. So right now you said that it's available on Vimeo and Amazon prime, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's on Vimeo on demand. Uh, so it's just Vimeo.com slash on demand slash AF doc. And then Amazon, just if you go search it, you'll find it on Amazon prime. Are there any other things kind of in the works for more streaming sites or is that a thing of where they would have to buy the, the rights or whatever? Uh, yeah, it, it's for rent and purchase. Uh, so it's just which, whichever one you would want to do. Uh, it should be up on more sites, but I, I don't have an exact date on it yet. But ho we're hoping to have it up on things like iTunes uh, soon enough and like in the coming months. So uh, why don't you tell me then, you know, you said you're working on this new documentary with uh, the guy from The Locust. Is that pretty You said you'd like to have five or six things going on. That's the future. But tell me about the future, like anything else in the works or anything that you're thinking about doing in the future? Yeah, I mean, right right now we don't have anything solid besides that as far as like feature films. Um, I'm doing a bunch of just like weird little experiment, like experiment documentaries. I'm just like doing a bunch of like editing projects essentially just to see, like try out ideas basically to so I can kind of feel it out and see if I want to do something in those styles. Um, we're doing music videos. Uh, we have a few more lined up coming up. Uh, and then it's mostly just trying to finish that next documentary. So hopefully that one will be done, done in spring, summer. I, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to come out. I mean, it, every, you know, everything's up in the air right now. You know, it depends on when like vaccines come out. It depends on what festivals are doing, if they're interested. Like it, it's, 
So I don't really know exactly what's going to happen with that. All I know is that I'm going to be trying to get it finished over winter. What are uh, the music videos that you guys have done? Would there be any bands that my listeners might know some of the videos that you've done? Any punk, hardcore, yeah, that kind uh, of stuff? Yeah, yeah. We did, uh, we did three videos a few years ago for Skeleton Witch. Um, we've done one for Direct Hit. Uh, we have one that came out earlier this year for For Your Health, which are uh, this like great brutal hardcore bands out of uh, Columbus. Like Columbus is seen as just like going nuts right now, uh, and there's like so much talent there. So I'm stoked to be working with those bands. Awesome. Well, hey John, I just got to tell you, man, I've had a blast talking to you today. the The film is is amazing. I love it. And as somebody like I'm telling you, my opinion doesn't really matter, but I I watch documentaries like it's my job. And this one is top tier, man. I love it so much. Awesome. Thank you. That, re- that means a lot. I mean, you know, I, re- I really appreciate any kind of feedback I can get, especially positive feedback. Well, and you're only, you're only the second filmmaker that I've had on the program. You know, Sean Colon was on here that did the Fat Reg documentary. And that's another one that just kind of blew my mind, you know, growing up in the 90s and being a Fat Reg kid you know, getting to to see a documentary about Fat Records and then being a huge anti-flag fan. And I mean, I'll watch, like I said, Justin Bieber, but when it's a band that I care about, it feels like Christmas Day to get to watch a documentary, a full-length documentary on a band that I care about. So thank you so much for that, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for watching it. So you said they can watch it on demand Vimeo, Amazon Prime, and uh, do you have socials or a website or anything that they can check out? Yeah, uh, turns at Turnstile Films with a Y, uh, not an I like the band, uh, on pretty much everything. And then my personal accounts are under uh, at John Nix Film, J-O-N-N-I-X Film. Cool, and I'll make sure that I put all those in the show notes so everybody out there can check it out. Everybody out there needs to go watch Beyond Barricades. It's, it's awesome. If you like Anti-Flag, you'll love it. If you don't care about Anti-Flag, you will still love it because it's great storytelling and... Uh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. And when you have your new thing come out, come back and talk to us, okay? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. John Nix, co-founder of Turnstile Films and the director of the new anti-flag documentary, Beyond Barricades. I would like to thank John so much for coming on the show, and I urge all of you out there to check out the new anti-flag documentary, Beyond Barricades. You will not be sorry. Like I said, it's on Amazon on, uh, Amazon Prime Video and Vimeo On Demand. Just search for Beyond Barricades. If you're addicted to music documentaries like me, it's right up your alley. I guarantee you're going to like it. It's awesome. Check it out. So that is it for this week. Thank you so much for coming back every week. You guys are part of the family, part of the TOTOT family. I really appreciate all the support and all the cool emails and everything I've been getting lately. You guys have really been liking the episodes and that makes me happy because I never know. Like I, I do an episode and you know, I used to slave over the intro and slave over the outro and, and just not really, you know, I, I would record it four or five times. Now I just talk and if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's long, it's long. Some people bitch about that. Some people enjoy it. Some people don't like my segments. Some people love it. But I love doing it, and there's enough of you out there that tell me that you enjoy the segments and that you enjoy that, you know, it's a little looser maybe than some other podcasts. I just really like I like the idea of conversation, and I also like the idea of not really agonizing over 
what I'm going to say in the intro and the outro because I want it's almost like I'm speaking to you as well. Just think of think of me if I'm if you're in your car right now, I'm in the passenger seat and we're just chatting. If you're at home right now on the couch, I'm in the lazy boy next to you. I'm I'm there having a conversation with you guys. It's not any crap of where I, you know, have a script really. I have some notes so I don't forget to say some stuff, but this is pretty loose and I like it this way. If you go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes, like I've had a lot of people tell me that they they're like, "Oh dude, I've listened to everything. I went back and started at one and then I I get a little anxiety because, you know, the guests have always been great, but I don't feel like I was very good when I started. I still don't feel like I'm a professional podcaster. I just, I feel like I've gotten better. So uh, thank you for listening. And if you guys have gone back and listened to anything prior to like episode 50, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I hope I wasn't too goofy or anything, but uh, that's it. So Thank you, like I said, for coming back every week. It means the world to me. Uh, I would like you guys to go over to TOTOTpodcast.com and sign up for our mailing list. I send out emails about you know episodes that are coming up and cool stuff that we're doing with the podcast, and you can be a part of it. So sign up over at TOTOTpodcast.com. While you're there, check out some merchandise. Like I said in the intro, we have a new kids line called TOTOT Tots. And uh, you can hook your kids up for Christmas. I I bet you they'd really like it. They probably don't listen to the podcast, but my son doesn't listen to the Misfits, but he has a Misfits shirt. So (laughs) hook them up with a TOTOT logoed shirt. That'd be awesome. So before I jump out of here, like I always do, I always do this and I always tell you this, I'm going to play some music. Since John's new documentary is about friends of the show, Anti-Flag, you know, Chris number two, Chris Dose was on the show like two and a half years ago, something like that. I'm going to play the title track from their most recent record, 2020 Vision. And uh, it's great. And I love Anti-Flag. And you guys are going to love this if you haven't checked it out. But make sure that you watch the new documentary, Beyond Barricades. And then after that, go check out the new record, 2020 Vision. It's awesome. And you're going to enjoy it. So I love you guys and gals. I will catch you next week. And I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm not going to tell you who's on next week. You're going to have to wait and find out. Because last week I told you it was Trevor from Face to Face. And now I'm holding that episode. So I will be back next week with a brand new guest. You're going to have to wait to find out who it is. Happy Thanksgiving. Please, if you're around your family, do the the stuff, you know, the social distancing, the washing your hands, like whatever you can do, do it. I really want to go to a concert again someday. So that's it. And as always, this is Chris, your favorite podcast host. I hope so. Maybe not. At least in your top five, right? (laughs) I'll see you guys next week. Peace. I had a 2020 vision of the last of the wrongs undone. No more hate, no division. No one is free until the war is won.
rest of the wrongs undone No more hate, no division No one is free until the war is won Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Turner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propaganda. Hi, this is Rory from No Use for Name. Hi, this is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour with Chris Swinney. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.